Welcome, everybody, to People of Efrat, where we all get to learn more about this great community and the people that make it tick. Good morning, you, good yeah. morning Josh. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Really uh, appreciate this opportunity to get to talk to you right here in my backyard. <laughs> yes, in my literally. Orchard. And uh, yeah, feeling great. Nice, man. I It's like such an honor for me to just sit here and chat with you. I was telling you before we started recording, it's we just don't get to sit around with each other and talk and have these like conversations other than Shabbat. And with Corona and everything else and all the things that are going on in our lives, family and friends, it's it ends up being a lot. So it's it's really exciting for me to like sit down with you and chat. You know, it's exciting for me too. And you're right. It's uh, you know these are very interesting times we're going through, and uh, one of the effects of it is definitely the social you know disparity between our normal lives and what's going on now. So uh, this is a great opportunity to sit down and talk. and And here's a a, a prayer, a little prayer out to. Akadish Baruch Hu to get get us past this time real quick so that we can all get together and hang together and socialize together and get to talk to each other. But I appreciate this opportunity. Amen, amen. Josh, I'm going to do a little intro here. Okay, don't blush. Josh, you're a true lover of Israel and all Jews. That's one thing that I noticed about you in all eight years that I've known you. And um, you're a builder, but you're not just a physical builder. You're a builder of community. You're a builder of friendships. You're a builder of, of Ava, of love between one Jew to another. Um, I, one thing that always sticks with me was when Ari Folt was murdered, you started this campaign with the, with the flags. And it was just like a simple gesture. You know, there was a lot going on at that time. And this is just like, it was just a simple gesture, uh, a symbol that everybody can just put out and show each other we're all feeling the same hurt. You know, we're all in the same situation here. And, and that, and obviously, you know, we, we, that, you know, we commiserate and, and, and we're all there for each other. <laughs> you know, what do you, about, you know, do you remember that time at all? Do you, do you remember doing that? Like, what were some of the things that were going on in your head at that time? Yeah, I, it's a time you can't forget. A very sad time, a very unfortunate time uh, for us as individuals, as Jews, for Efrat as a community, and for, for Eretz Yisrael and Am Yisrael Bichlal, uh, to lose a person like Ari Fold. Uh, Ari and I, we go back uh, a bunch of years just to activism, Jewish right. activism, and we were together on the Kitak Konanut of Efrat for That's right. years until I, I retired <laughs> for old age. And... Uh, it's like the frustration that goes beyond the sadness and the tragedy. It's the frustration of what can I do? Like, uh, you know, to honor, to honor Ari. In those situations, um, we're like, what can we do? And there's not much you can do. So to think of something simple that every member of Am Yisrael everywhere in Israel and Efrat and Chutz Laretz can take part in is just raising a flag in honor of Ari Fold, and that's what we did. We got the campaign uh, moving quickly. We put it out there. Um, Debbie Debord, uh, Debord Dansger uh, uh, very much helped with getting right. funding. She was uh, a, a key part of the whole thing, and 
And those, uh, those flags were out there for a long time. There's still some of them out. A lot now. of them are still out. Yeah, it was. It caught on, and it also spread to outside of Efrat. Uh, we had people giving out flags to people at Somatagush and at the uh, shopping center, and and then we started seeing videos of people doing this all over Israel. And it was just um, a, a solidarity thing and a way to show your um, your connection. And your appreciation for people like Ari Fold, right. who gave their life for Eretz Yisrael, right? And I'm Yisrael, right? Yeah, it was that was that was special. Um, you're also a huge, huge Grateful Dead fan, a fan of music in general. I feel like that's something that we have a we have a good bond on. You're you're a ponderer. I I, I walk around town. I drive around town. I see you walking around town, just in your own thoughts, taking your, I don't know, collecting your thoughts and. I don't really know what's going on in there, but seeing that is kind of honestly just calming. Seeing you walk around and, you know, out there just kind of looking at the hills behind, the ones that are in front of us. And out here, I mean, can you just explain, you know, the situation where we are right now and, and what this place is about? This is like, you can't see the whole picture here, but there's this beautiful path here that's lined with these trees. And behind us, there is a vineyard um, and an orchard of a bunch of different types of trees, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you guys, you planted this. Is that correct? Not me, myself. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, when I moved to the Zayat, we moved to, to Efrat in 1988. Yeah. And uh, uh, we moved to the Zayat in the summer of uh, the year 2000. And the first thing that we uh, found out is that this entire section of land was not part of Efrat's land. Hmm. It was outside the boundaries of Efrat because there was some kind of uh, um, suspicion or thought or whatever that this land may be privately owned by Arabs. Mm -hmm. So they didn't incorporate it into the map of Efrat. And I mean, there's there's houses up there, there's houses up there, there's houses right. over there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like that's enclave. interesting. It's yeah. an enclave, and there's actually several of them in Efrat behind the Geffen, you know. Right. Uh, and in the Dekel, next right. to the school, there's a lot of enclaves like that. And the policy uh, uh, that the founders of Efrat had, Rabbi Riskin uh, mainly, was we wanted to live uh, in, yeah, I don't know if you want to, if I use the word peace, but in cooperation and coexistence with our, our neighbors. Right. Uh, and therefore, we didn't, uh, they didn't want to have a situation where they took any land that maybe was privately owned by them. And they, that created these enclaves. Right. And uh, this particular one uh, had no sign of it ever having had any agricultural land on it or really? anything. And uh, oh, I decided that in order to prevent a future claim of an Arab to come and, and claim this enclave, we would create facts on the ground. And together with uh, other people in the community back then, uh, we're talking 20 years ago. Right. Uh, and together with um, uh, our friend Artie Englard, uh, who doesn't live in Efrat anymore. This is, I mean, uh, were, were there any houses built? In well, the, I, yeah. the very first trees that we planted here were in 2000 or 2001. Right. Uh, when we moved into this neighborhood, yeah. there were only eight families. <laughs> there were eight houses. There were no roads. There was no electricity. Uh, no street lighting, of course. 
we all were connected to this generator, mm-hmm. which would break down constantly. Right. <laughs> and that would be our social meeting point because wow. when the generator broke down, oh, and the eight houses, house. everyone <laughs> came out to try to crank up that, that generator again. And Our, was, our uh, first world problem of that now is when the internet goes down, right? We'll go... Uh, <laughs> We'll all step out of our house and say, hey, you know, we don't have Klita right now. Right. But this is uh, no electricity. Yeah. That's definitely it was, you different. Could, you could say it was pioneering, but yeah. we were just like a hop, skip, and a jump, and away from uh, everything we needed. Sure. But uh, it was an interesting time, and uh, and actually um, the the Intifada broke out that uh, that September, like shortly after we moved in here. So the generator going down and the place being totally black and nothing and at the same time all the shooting that was going on in Beit Lechem and right. helicopters and this and that it was pretty crazy times and um and, and, and it was during that period that we also started working on this and it was it was an ongoing thing and the original idea like I said was you know just to to create facts on the ground we kept expanding it over the years and adding fruit trees. We've got olives and figs and uh, and pomegranates and lots of almond trees. And there's a couple of uh, probably a few dozen grape uh, vines growing. And it's just really great. And what, what it developed into over the years is a place for people to just come and breathe some air. Yeah. Get their thoughts together. Contemplate. Take my kids here. You know, sit it. down, enjoy. Uh Work the land a little bit. I encourage the kids in the neighborhood to come and help out, and they do. And um, it's just a wonderful little spot, and it's where I pray usually, mm-hmm. uh, even before Corona. Sure. <laughs> okay. So I've I've my... come here to pray too. <coughs> I've done my hit boda dude here. I've just come here and been silent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's and and I get a lot of pleasure from that. Yeah. When I see people up here, you, anyone, uh, just coming up here and even just just sitting, and breathing and thinking, praying, you know, it uh, it brings me a lot of pleasure. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on and continue with your the little intro. You're you're a dad, a husband, a granddad. How many grandchildren do you have? Well, I have a baseball team now. <laughs> I we just made a Brit for my ninth grandchild. Wow, Mazato. Uh, the Brit was actually two days ago right in my Beautiful. house. Beautiful. Uh, because of Corona times, uh, it was a very small event. Uh, we had just immediate family, uh, but it was wonderful. And uh, just, just uh, you know, on so many levels, another child, another Jewish child in Eretz Israel and Am Israel, and, you know, my own little daughter who just, just such a short time ago you know, was was I was like holding her and as a little baby, and then now she has her own baby, and right. it's just wonderful. It's like you came here in '88, you said. Yeah. No, I came to a fraud in '88. I came to Israel in 1976. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! My uncle came here that year as well. Incredible. That those were that was a whole different world. Back sure then. was. Yeah. Um, world changes quickly though, and often. <laughs> um, Wow, so 88, you come and you come to Efrat in 2000 and... You come to Efrat in 1988. Oh, right. You came to Efrat, to Zayat You came in to the Zayat in the year 2000. Right. We, we were basically, us and seven other families were the first families to come to this uh, this side of Efrat, this whole neighborhood Beautiful. here. The neighborhood really wasn't built yet. Right. Were, I like mean, I now there's there's hundreds of families. Here. Yeah, it's, wonderful. it's fantastic. And, and you know, we, we got to this neighborhood... Um, uh, not in a natural way. Uh, 
I mean, I mean, Am Yisrael got to this neighborhood not in a natural way. Mm. Uh, the same way Givata uh, Dagan uh, and Givata Tamar also were, were settled. Uh, you know, people tend to think of Efrat as like this kind of bourgeois place, you know, mm-hmm. not, a, not a place of activism right. and, and all that. And the truth of the matter is Efrat produced many, many activists, settlement activists, mm-hmm. and, um, and there are still many people that are actively involved sure. in, in securing the safety and future of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, Nadia Matar, and other leaders. I, I call them like the rock stars of, of uh, the Jewish nation. I mean, there are so they many really more, are. too. I mean, you should Fleischer moved here. Yeah, there's just, we've got loads of Caroline, them. Caroline Glick, Caroline Glick lives here. Like, it's lots incredible. of Lots of uh, uh, good people, solid people. And um, and what happened was with Givata Zayit is uh, the Oslo process was going on in the 90s. Yeah. And... Uh, actually, Efrat had gotten permission to stop building on Givata Tamar. Mm-hmm. And when the tractors went up there, the Arabs came and demonstrated. It got very uh, nasty, it got mm-hmm. violent. And uh, Rabin was prime minister, and he got cold feet, and he wanted to stop the construction, even though the government had approved it. Right. And there were demonstrations, and there were Moatsa meetings, what to do and uh, whether we should fight to keep building on the Tamar. And in the final right. analysis, the, our Moatza back then decided that against a promise from the government that they would let us stop building immediately on Givata Zayit instead of Givata Tamar for right. the time being, that they would back off and not protest. And mm-hmm. and uh, there were a lot of people in the front that were against that decision, but we won't get into the politics of it. But the promise was made by the government to settle the Zayit. Right. And then the government reneged on their promise. Okay. So the original settlement of Givata Zayed, something that a lot of people don't know, yeah. was a middle-of-the-night clandestine activity uh-huh. uh, that was organized. Uh, uh, the Moatza was involved as well, and, and Gushemunim, or, you know, Amana, uh, and the activists of Efrat, what we called back then the Vad Pula, the right. Action Committee. And uh, basically, uh, a few caravans were liberated, mm-hmm. I'll use that word, from Givata Miftar, all the way on across the road on the other side of it, okay. and were brought to the Zayat in the middle of the night. And there were some confrontations with the police and the army that tried to stop it. But we did manage to get one caravan up to around where the school is today. Oh, okay. And that was it. Once we had that one caravan, it was facts on the ground. Right. And everything went from there. Wow. And then, of course, eventually they, they did uh, uh, permit the construction here. And as soon as that happened, we, the, the Vad Pula, the Action Committee, shifted our focus to Givata Dagan. Right. That was in 1995. And we went up to 95 because it was just before Oslo was, was going to be signed, like signed right. at stages, of, you know. And basically the word that we were getting from within the government, mm-hmm. from, from people that were... Um, reliable, reliable sources, was that any hills that aren't actually uh, settled, that there's no physical presence, were in danger of being given over to the Arabs right. in the final map of the Oslo right. Agreement. And I mean, there was like a map of Efrat drawn out from the very beginning. Oh, most certainly. Which included all these gvot. Givata Dagan, right. Givata Tamar, the Etam was part of Efrat. Oh, yeah. In, in the... Uh, but uh, there was a very serious chance that we were going to lose those hills. So uh, as we had already created facts on the ground in the Zayat, we shifted the focus. And when I say we, it wasn't as much me as it was 
my wife Marilyn, Eve Harrow, who yeah. also lives in this neighborhood, yeah. and Nadia Matar. Another rock star. And yeah. Sharon Katz, it was the four women who oh, really organized the whole uh, uh, Dagan yeah. thing and got the uh, activists behind them. And we went up to the Dagan and we created facts on the ground there as well. Right. It was the summer of 1995 and we see what the Dagan is today. Wow. And the Tamar, yeah. same story mm -hmm. uh, in uh, 2001, yeah. in reaction to the murder of two uh, Jews from Efrat mm -hmm. in uh, terror attacks that took place right on the road, right here on yeah. the main road. Uh, we, again, in a clandestine uh, uh, activity very early in the morning, grabbed a couple of caravans from Givata Dagan, yeah. which at that point already had been, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we were already there. Was the yeshiva and, there then? Uh, the yeshiva was already there, yeah. yes. Yes, the, the yeshiva was there. There were people living there uh, because in 1998 or 99, they really started to, to uh, settle the place more massively. There was no permanent construction yet, but right. they brought convoys of caravans and they really started getting the place together. Right. So by 2001, when we went to the Tamar, the Dagan was already you know, solidly sure. placed. Uh, and there were a bunch of extra old caravans that weren't being used, and we just brought them over brought them up to the tamar which was very complicated because it was a very steep hill there was no road it was a rocky road whatever make a long story short we managed to get three caravans up there before the army could stop the action and that was the creating of the facts on the ground on Givata tamar wow uh, which and and it was continually settled from that time from that day we went up eventually. i mean isn't the tamar like one of the largest uh, parts like the population wise it or will be at least I think the Zayat has the most um, housing units yeah. from all the hills in Efrat, uh, but the Tamar has quite a bit. I mean, I think uh, I think that the zoning for the Tamar in its totality, I think, is somewhere close to 500 units. Wow! Just for Givata Tamar, so. mm -hmm. yeah. So that's that's how things were wow. developing here with the hills. You know, it's just uh, we started talking about the trees, sure. but it's all like like settling Eretz Yisrael, creating facts on the ground. Uh, doing things in an active way, sometimes breaking the law, but never, God forbid, with violence or right. anything. And um, and that's it. That's where we that's are. Beautiful. Um, I was getting into a question. You know, you come to Efrat in '88, and you have children who grow up here, and now you have grandchildren growing up here. You you planted these seeds. I'm I'm still relatively a new ole. I'm only here eight years, and my children are still young. Give me a little hindsight perspective. What, what are some of the emotions and feelings and, and thoughts that you have on that? You know, I'm, I'm 62, 62 years old. Uh, I was looking back on your interview with Tom the other day. Yeah. And I was taken again by a comment that he made. You know, I'm already on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> You know, you guys are still climbing up, and I'm already on the other. I'm not on the other side of the mountain no, yet. No, you're not. I'm and around, neither is he. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, in, in, in uh, uh, you know, re re relative to what Tom said, I'm maybe, you know, at around the top. Okay. I'm climbed up the hill already. Uh, I'm not over the hill. Neither is Tom. I agree with you 100%. I, I wish I had the energy right? <laughs> and, uh, that Tom has. Creativity. He's just uh, unbelievable. But so so as far as giving advice, yeah. I don't feel like I reached the stage to really give uh, advice in my life. But, but yes, there are some things. Um, 
Efrat is a great place. I love Efrat. Um, thank God some of my kids decided to, after they were married to stay here and live in Efrat. You know, you can't always keep your whole clan together in the same place. And every place they go in Eretz Israel is just as important and stuff, but it's nice to have some family here. Sure. Uh, it's very, very wonderful. And this is, this is a big thing. It's very wonderful and completely different Good. Than, uh, than what happened in my, you know, coming up in the world uh, as a human being right. is that my kids grew up with kids their whole life in the same place. Hmm. And now they're, they're married and they're having kids and their kids are friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like our friends who's at, and at my children and our friends' children grew up together had children on a now have and now have their own children who are also in the same group of friends. Wow. So it's like three generations of friends, wow. not relatives, friends. Something that I never had, and that's something you know that a place like Efrat yeah. has to offer, and it, it's a wonderful thing. But wh- what can I tell you? Like, what was your question? <laughs> no, you you've you've pretty much answered it. It was kind of like, what are your thoughts and your emotions, your feelings about that having that the three generations? You it's know? just a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing, and and. Despite, you know, there's always, every place has its stuff going on in the sure. background and its problems and its uh, background politics and stuff. But Efrat is a wonderful place and yeah. it's a wonderful place to raise your kids yeah. and to educate them. Uh, and you should look forward as a father <laughs> to uh, to doing that. And yeah. You're in a great chaver of people. You, you shifted from the, the Zayat to the, the Dagan and you've got a great chaver in both places. Yeah. And uh, and just, just, uh, just enjoy every second of it. Yeah. Pull it all in. Let your kids enjoy every second of it. Keep them close. Beautiful. Like, this, this segues right into the, the next description I had of you. You're like the unofficial, like, mayor of the people. <laughs> you're, always, you're always standing guard and, and, and showing us what it means to live here. And, uh, and it's, it's very meaningful. Thank you for that. You're really an inspiration. You're a leader. You lead by example especially for us new Olim, and I still call myself a new Ole, even though I'm here eight years, still figuring my way out, figuring out language, figuring out my, you know, laying deep roots here. Um, you're also the official singer of Four Winds Home Rehearsals. <laughs> you're the official lead singer of Four Winds Home Rehearsals. Uh, that was wonderful. I don't think they would agree with that comment. <laughs> that was like a one-time, uh, one-time little thing. Uh, it was great. Uh, uh, midnight hour or love light, whatever it was we were singing that night. Both of them happened to be two very uh, uh, love tunes that I love very much. So that opportunity to just sing that song was great. Yeah. For those that don't know, Four Winds Home is a Grateful Dead tribute band, cover band, however you want to call it, locally. Some local guys and gals, wonderful people. Great band too. Love them. Absolutely. And you're an OG. You're an original. You're an original frat. You're an original Frasian. Um so, I mean, I just want to say another thing about the generational thing. I know two of your children. Michaela is Amora Mitakenet for my two boys, and she's wonderful. I don't know if I've told you this before. She's great. She comes every week. With Corona, it's been spotty, but she started coming back, thank God, now that the Seger things have opened up a little bit. And she's an incredible teacher. One thing she told me that kind of relates to what we were saying before is she said, you know, I grew up the way your children are growing up. My parents were the Olim, and I had to learn in these two, you know, coming from an American background, speaking English, and 
being a true sabra, like an Israeli. So she really has a very good perspective, and she's really good at teaching the children coming from that place. And it's something that's really been helpful to them because you can get a tutor who's just a local who is, you know, a few generations in, or you can get an American tutor. But to have this this mix, this unique perspective, right. is has really that experience that you're that went through the experience that, that, that your kids are going through. Right. You know, we're similar right. experiences. What mm-hmm. they're going through is just incredible. So and who got, else do you know? What's that? Who else do you know? And our own. I oh, I live right. in the okay, pull your mic right. up a little bit. Uh, with Aaron, you know, um, he's my neighbor. He's really a tzaddik, a wonderful person. A person who is similar to his Abba, who goes out there saving people every day. It's, it's incredible. I see him out there. I see him in the truck. I see him in the, in the van. He's going out to pretty much, I don't know, how often does he go on calls? It's all day long. He, he has a big schut, Aaron. Bring it up a little uh, bit, yeah. Aaron uh, has a big schut that Hashem gave him uh, to be able to save people's lives, which he's done countless times. Uh, he's a paramedic with Mata for a long time. He was a paramedic in uh, in Sahal, yeah. in, in a in an elite unit, and uh, and now he's in medical school, together with his wife. Wow. They're both in medical school. They're in their fourth year now. And he was given a big schut, and how often does he go out? He... <laughs> Uh, has his official shifts that he does which aren't that many because he's got a heavy study load and he's got four children right Uh, but his his walkie-talkie and his beepers and stuff are on 24 hours a day and he'll any call that's local yeah whether he's on duty or off he will respond to uh and the people in Efrat whose lives he's saved and stuff know that um but yeah it's a big slut for me too yeah. He's like, sometimes I say, uh, Aaron is the apple that fell far from the tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, uh, but uh, yeah, Baruch Hashem. That's great. I, I thank Hashem and my children for that. When when you made Aliyah, where did you come from? I, I grew up, East Coast. Uh, yeah, I'm and East Coast. I feel like New York. I, you got it. You're on the dot, babe. Hold on. Brooklyn? Yeah, you're, you're okay. right in there. I probably I guess that. the accent, right? I still got that Brooklyn accent. So uh, I actually, I grew up, uh, I was born and raised until the age of 17 in Brooklyn, New York, which is when I made Aliyah at Mm -hmm. the age of 17, right after high school. Uh, And um, I uh, grew up in a, I wouldn't call it Haredi, but yeshivish type of uh, uh, environment, uh, both in terms of the neighborhoods that I lived in and the yeshivas that I learned in. And um, my family, my parents also, with time, moved to more towards the yeshivish attitude of uh, things uh, as opposed to uh, earlier in my life they were more Mizrahi mm-hmm. but as the neighborhood changed and stuff they changed too and that was my upbringing uh, I will admit that uh, I was a big rebel <laughs> uh, a very big rebel let me shut this thing off one second I'm sure. sorry I thought I had shut it off where does it say shut down just push it down i don't got my glasses got it yeah the light's not uh there you go um i i was a rebel and i grew up in an at an interesting time because i was born in 1958 so uh you know by time i was a young teenager the whole late 60s early 70s thing was happening sure and uh i found myself pulled between two worlds and one of those worlds was not the yeshiva world that i grew up in the two worlds that i was drawn to were the hippie movement, you know, 
that whole thing, it was happening around me. I was young, but I saw it mm -hmm. and I was influenced by it. Sure. And I started being pulled in that direction. And at the same time, Jewish activism uh, had become a big thing. Mm -hmm. The Jewish Defense League, Mer Kahana Zechrona Levracha, protecting Jews in the neighborhoods, uh, which was a big thing. There was a lot of anti-Semitism and crime against Jews locally in Brooklyn and all right. over. And then there was the Soviet Jewry issue and there were neo-Nazis right. and all that. And I was being drawn into these two worlds, which of course clashed with my sure. yeshiva world, uh, which eventually, you know, I had moved from yeshiva to yeshiva because no one would, would accept that. Uh, situation. Uh, I know it might be hard to believe, but I actually learned for a year and a half in Mir. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I left with at mutual agreement. I it. <laughs> um, so I have I have that kind of learning background and that yeshivish background. At the same time, I got very involved with Jewish activism, and very started getting very involved in the world of. Of music and uh, yeah. everything that went along with that. We don't need to go into detail right here in this interview. And eventually I um, I put a, a Jewish uh, religious observance aside for many years. Mm -hmm. um, but I never put my Jewishness aside. And uh, I didn't know why I put observance aside. It wasn't like a conscious decision. And I wasn't... I was too young and stupid to really understand things yet, but mm -hmm. it was a natural, you know, thing to happen uh, as a result of my conflict with with the yeshiva way of looking at things and and what was happening around me and the influences that I had. And it took many many years for me to really um, mature enough uh, to start looking at things again and to slowly crawl my way back up to observance and connection to the religious aspects if you want to say the spiritual aspects of judaism but not for one moment during even during my craziest days of <coughs> grateful dead shows or whatever stuff that we were doing on that side never for a moment did i forget or ignore or abandon my very strong connection to amisro and uh, now i'm where i am right and, uh, wonderful so you're a builder You've been, I mean, you've been involved in many projects here in Efrat, and I'm sure many projects outside of Efrat. I know you had something or maybe have something in Yavni El right now. Um, you know, again, a new Olet here, uh, kind of like a newbie. I have not bought anything yet. Um, you know, the situation here in Efrat right now is that there is housing, and there could always be more. The neighborhood I just moved into last year was had X amount of people in there. And this year, looking for rentals was that much harder. So every year, more and more people are moving to Efrat. More children of original Ephrasians are looking for their own houses. Um, what are your thoughts on, on maybe like, you know, purchasing something here in Efrat? Is it a good investment, do you think? And... Um, what kind of thing would you be looking for if you were to be purchasing right now? We'll talk about building in a minute, but purchasing a house. Well, I'm, I'm going to approach it slightly differently, okay? I'm going to answer you is, what would I do as far as housing if I were in charge? Okay. Not if I were looking to buy a house. Because okay. I'm 62 years old, I already own a house. So, it, you know, an apartment, uh, a, a cottage, whatever. But it's very, very sad 
about the housing situation. Okay, and I don't even want to relate to whether Efrat is a good investment. And yes, of course, it's a good investment. In general, real estate uh, is a good investment. Efrat has always gone up, up, up. I look at it from a completely different angle. What about our young folks? What about you? What about the next generation of Efrat children? How could they afford to buy something these days? You know, when I came to Efrat, my little apartment, our first apartment that we bought, if I remember correctly, it cost $82,000, which, of course, for us, it was the same as a million dollars. But sure. $82,000 between a mortgage and a little help from the family, you can pull it off. I'm talking dollars because in those days, real estate was done in dollars. Okay. These days, just a simple you know, apartment you know, with a few bedrooms would be two and a half million shekels, three million shekels, three and a half million shekels. Right. How is a young couple supposed to be able to do that? You know, if they if they can get a mortgage for half the amount or sixty percent of the amount, where do they come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars to right. put a down payment? Right. You know, oh well, their parents will help them. Well, the parents can't always help them, especially if they've got five, six, eight kids. Sure. So that is a very disturbing thing, not only for a front, but in Israel. That's true. Bichlal, that young people have a hard time achieving housing now. Something that my generation didn't have such a hard time doing. When I got married in America. I bought my first apartment. I put 5% down. You know, th- there was the ability to take your savings and put it into some sort of real estate and then pay a mortgage. To have to pay 25, 35 and up percent down just to get into the house and just to get that mortgage does seem like a uh it, it, it's definitely a, a wall, a border. It's hard to get through that. Very undoable yeah. for, I would say, probably for the majority of the young population. Yeah. And therefore, and I'm going to talk about it front. I yeah. mean, the, the, the models should be copied everywhere. But uh, when I was a member of the Moatza, I, was on the, I served as a Moatza member for a couple of years uh, back in 2008 to 2010 or something like that. And I presented a plan of setting up... Uh, setting up neighborhoods for young couples mm-hmm. uh, that would be modular housing uh, that would allow a young couple to get an apartment at a normal price. Mm-hmm. It could even be light construction, you know, uh, something like that. Fabricate. There are all sorts of ideas. And okay. I said we need to You're offer. not just talking trailers. You're talking like prefab stuff that gets yeah. brought in. And uh, yeah, or, or panelized construction that's sure. built, but, but can later on you can add another floor, add another room, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And, it, you know, you offer it at a, as a starting out unit at a price that these young uh, couples can, can um, afford. Can afford. And, uh, of course, the, the idea was never, and I, I, I put the idea out there a lot. It was brought up at the Moatza meetings, and I sent my plan to Moatza and, and to government ministers and stuff. The idea is that it's like a springboard it's your first place. Get in from there. And as save the family grows, okay, on. there would need to be also government subsidy involved. But the idea was to have housing solutions for young couples. Unfortunately, none of those things have happened. They've had these uh, plans that they call Dirala uh, Mishtaken, which is ridiculous because so what? So they're taking a two million shekel apartment mm-hmm. and selling it to these young couples for one point six million. They get right. a few hundred thousand shekels off. Right. Well, who says a young couple can afford to pay one point six million shekels right. for an apartment? And most of them. Well, can. What about cost of building? I mean, is is it just that the land is expensive, or is it also that building materials and costs? Like you were saying, Biniyakala. So clearly, that would be a, a more affordable way to build. Right. At but least, you know, for a smaller your place. Your question is right on the mark. And the, the reason for it is that the most or the biggest part of the costs involved 
have now become the land and the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. It used to be that the government subsidized that. Mm -hmm. And that's why in Efrat, when we first came to Efrat, you could buy a migrash. The first people who came to Efrat and bought private migrashim to build their own houses, right. they paid like $5,000, $10,000. When the prices really went up, it was $25,000 for sure. a migrash. Wow. And people were like, oh, that's getting expensive already. Right. Well, you know what a second-hand oh, migrash yeah. on Givata Dagan well, sells for now? Tell Two me. million shekels uh -huh. for an empty migrash wow. of three. 350 square meters that's connected to another house. Wow. So it's ridiculous. Now, the reason for it is that when the when the um, the land authority, the Minhal, puts this land up for sale now, they these uh, these tenders or these bids that go out right. uh, are a joint bid between the Minhal and the Misrata Shikun, the housing ministry. Okay. And you're basically paying for it in two parts. One is for the land and one is for the infrastructure. Well, both of those used why, to be... Why are you paying for the in, in, infrastructure? Well, what is infrastructure? Infrastructure are the roads, sewer, the sidewalks, the sewer, sewer system, the water lines, lines and maybe. Stuff. Yeah, that's the stuff that the government, the housing ministry provides, like okay. in all these new neighborhoods. Right. And each housing unit is paying a part of that. It used to be that that was all subsidized, right. uh, and therefore someone could buy a piece of land and then build a house for a reasonable amount of money. But right. the subsidies have been taken away. It's become One a big more quick business question. for the I have government. a little bit of a construction background. The the infrastructure itself. Um, so when you need to develop the land, right? You have to clear the land, obviously prepare it for building. But the actual, these things, the water, the sewer, um, the utilities that go in, this is something that the builder needs to provide when they're building. So that's interesting because in America, it's usually only private roads private property. I was involved in a few projects. Mm -hmm. And on the ones that are privately owned, private roads, those are the ones where you need to put in utilities infrastructure. Many, many other spots already are sort of part of an existing road or existing neighborhood and right. items like that. And that infrastructure is provided by the town. So the way it works here, the way it works here is that you don't physically put in the builder doesn't physically put in any infrastructure that's not within the confines of his piece of land. In mm -hmm. other words, he doesn't put in infrastructure in the streets for the main sewage lines, but he does pay for it. He okay. pays the housing ministry to do it, and it used to be completely subsidized. Wow. Now, not only is it not subsidized, but now it's become a business right. for the housing ministry to make money off of builders. Wow. So people wonder why housing is so expensive. Yes, builders do make money. It's their right, right to make money. They don't make a hell of a lot of money right. unless they're a very big company building a many, many units. But a small builder is always in that situation where he may he may crash on any given project right? Uh, because the, the profit margins are not as high as people think. Right. One, uh, if a few things go wrong, then... You're underwater That's it. already. And, and and your starting point as a builder, as a developer, as a Kablan, your starting point is so high. Yeah. Just to get the rights to build on that piece of land. Because right. you're paying well, you have to bid on millions. It. You get a bid, you gotta win the bid. Right. And in order to win, you've got to bid high. Uh, and you're basically bidding millions of shekels to get an empty piece of land that hasn't even been and excavated. Uh, and you're paying the government basically a lot of money, and right. they're making a lot of money off you to put the infrastructure in. Right. So your starting point before you've put one nail or brick into that lot is already right. half a million or six or 700,000 shekels per housing unit. Right. That's before you started building. So what I'm saying is if the government went back to offering subsidies, to right. subsidizing this, okay, um, and they should, whatever it costs the country, where our economy is solid in, in Israel, thank God. 
we need to have housing solutions for the young people. I'm sorry, I'm going on. Uh, no, I, this is very this, interesting you know, to me. And uh, I tried to I tried to set up a think tank, a group of people, people who are from mortgage banks and financial people and all right. sorts of activists. This was several years ago. We had one meeting and we were going to try to put a plan down on paper to present to the government and get some politicians to try to push it. But we, we, we saw right away that people were not interested. Everything right. is now looked at from a business point of view. There's no more right. ideology. There's no more uh, problem solving, right. solution solving, uh, create, creating. Um, so, so it's but sad. On the positive end of things, it does seem that every few years, look, I've been here for, for almost 10 years, um, tenders get released. And there's I, I feel like a lot of, of the, of, of the um, issue is space, land. Availability of land. So every few years, depending on the weather and the politics, um, more more tenders get released. So at least that's a relief. I remember before Dagan was built, before Tamar was built, the Zayat uh, real estate market was very high. I mean, incredibly high. It was incredible. I was seeing people um, sell houses for the amount, you know, for these amounts where. You know, in New York, and I know you can't compare the two because it's a very different scenario, but you'd have a ton more land and a much larger right. spot. Um, but once the Ghana and, and Tamar were, uh, were, were started, the building started happening, prices went down in existing neighborhoods. And now there may be an idea of dealing with existing neighborhoods. I mean, if you go back to the original neighborhoods in Afrat, right? So the Teina, and I don't know about the Geffen so much, but the Teina and, and, uh, and that side of town, you know, these are older houses. They've been there since the 80s. And um, the people who are living there are a little bit older. Some of them are moving in with their children. Some of them are moving on to other places. Mm -hmm. So to have young families, the, the ability for young families to come into these places, maybe renovate a little bit and, um, and, and spruce up some of the places, um, you know, perhaps that's, that's a light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. For someone like me, maybe. Um, it actually is option. happening already. Yeah. Uh, there is gentrification going on yeah. in, uh, in the Ramona Tena. You have young, right. young families right. uh, coming in and, uh, and renovating. Unfortunately, the Mozart is very strict about adding another unit. Like sometimes, uh, you know, it, you, parents who have married children now who can't afford housing, whatever, yeah. uh, would maybe be able to renovate and take over their parents' house in right. the older neighborhoods and build a little separate Apartment unit for, for their the, parents who don't need a, a whole daughter situation. But the Moatza yeah. is very strict about that. And uh, But yes, it is it is happening that there's regentrification. There are people moving in with their children wherever right. they may be or going to uh, a retirement place. Right. And there are young families actually purchasing now in the Tainan and the Rimon, which is yeah. nice to see that. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, and then, of course, land reserves. Efrat has a humongous land reserve, as right. you know, because you're an Atom activist okay <laughs> and Bebe Kolakavot to you and Yechever who Just went there doing Shmira and helping out I mean uh, you didn't see me there much I um, caught up um, on I a saw lot of you stuff. there but I didn't see you physically there was a vehicle there that that, that was in use <laughs> all the time used to be your it had a little Grateful Dead yeah, sticker right, on you it gotta so give I knew my, it was your it, that was yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's but my partner Zeve Frat also gets the credit on that. That was our business car that we gave to the Etam. Uh, but um, the Etam uh, is has zoning for like two or two and a half thousand units. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I want to stay away from local politics. But we should have been up there already building. Right. We could have been up there already building. But let's not get into that the politics of it. Uh, but Efrat, thank God, still does have some land reserves, and we hope we'll see some construction soon. And I pray, 
that they take into consideration the young families and create a situation where young families will be able to buy reasonably priced housing, small units, but with a nice little garden or something that they can expand in the future that has the you know pre-existing a permit or zoning or whatever mm-hmm. to 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 add on. A young family with no kids or a couple of kids can exist in a in an 80 90 meter apartment at the beginning and as as the family grows they can add on another room another two rooms whatever it is and uh, and make that possibility happen. It would be wonderful. Just right. wonderful to see Efrat's next generations be able to stay in Efrat. Look, I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic about it because people keep moving to this town and it's growing. It's a great town. <laughs> well, well, no matter how you look at it, no matter how much it costs, Efrat is a great it place. It really is. I can't believe we just landed here. We, we, we came here and this was the first place we came to. Um, we're really enjoying it. So I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful. I think the more people that move in, the more there's a need, the more things will open up. I'm at least hopeful for that. I um, could say amen, and I, I believe that will happen. I'm, I also yeah. would like to be optimistic. What, what was like one of your favorite uh, projects here in Efrat? I mean, we're, we're sitting right next to like this gorgeous project that you finished about four years ago or so, five years ago. F- uh, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember this whole area was just barren, barren, barren hill. Um, I didn't even realize it was part of our town. It's kind of like on the backside of the hill. Yeah. Um, you know, what was like one of your favorite projects here in Afrat? Um, not this one. Okay. Although I'm very happy to have been part of this huge a, community a project that, that, that contributed, that uh, you know, yeah. uh, th- this project this behind us is 66 units altogether yeah. uh, on an empty hill that was an empty hill. Uh, but really, um, uh, I built a lot of the houses here in the B'nai B'it Khan neighborhood in Zayed. Right. Uh, but the interesting background of it is, yes, what's my favorite my favorite project? Yeah. Really, my favorite project was Rehovah Tzipora in this street right here. Uh-huh. And the reason for it is I built every house on the street. Yeah, uh, They're all private houses. Right. Uh, and I used to live right there That's where right. Uh, Dove Cram lives now. That's right. And uh, the interesting story is that when we bought that lot and we built that house, uh, this hill behind us was empty mm-hmm. and there was no zoning for it. Right. And when we bought the lot, we said, wow, well, this is going to be our view. You know, Beautiful. we got this, the orchard right here sure. and we got the view. It was state land, but there was really no talk about building on it. And then they suddenly introduced new zoning. And See, they, there's the optimistic uh, <laughs> and hopeful, you know, those things can come. Go on. Yes. <laughs> now, on the one hand, yeah. we were disappointed let's use that word that our view was going to change and we were going to see on the other hand it was great right. that there was going to be more building there at Israel and Efrat right. etc but there was one thing that bothered us us I mean the, us folks who lived here in Rehovot Sipporah okay. was that the zoning that they create that they created for here were for tall buildings and I said I just don't want like apartment building like these nine ten story buildings sure. there. I just you know let's keep it low but I had no power to change that, so the only thing that I could really do was bid on the mikraz wow. and change it myself if I win. So I got together with a partner, and uh, we bid, and we won the bid. Wow. So we 
redesigned, we, we put in a, a request to build lower houses from the Misrata Shikun, the same yeah. amount of units, but instead of a, instead of three apartment buildings, we yeah. have seven buildings. Okay. And on the upper lot, instead of four apartment buildings, we have 36 units that are spread amongst nine buildings. So and these are sort of like a, a, a mix between Dumish Bhakti and and apartment. Yeah, it's they're not, like cottages yeah. with these small Mishdakane apartments like on top. towers up on the top of the hill right, or anything. Right, right. Okay. So that was that was yeah. a success. But unfortunately... Hold on, we were talking about <laughs> your favorite project. So, yeah. Your and so that, so yeah. that was it. So the reason that was my favorite project is because I built every house on the street. Right. And all the people who live there are my good and close friends. Right. Uh, and that is a very good feeling. Yeah. It's not... I, I always think about, you ever read The Godfather or see the movies, where they, they had this whole, their own cul-de-sac. Right. Where, like, everybody yeah. in the family uh-huh. kind of lived in their own cul-de-sac. It That's was like, like that then. Our yeah. kids, you know, I, like I said... There was no paving here, no, no right. nothing. The kids used to come out and play on the street yeah. all together. All our kids grew up together. My, my dog buddy would sit here and guard them. Right. And it was, yeah, it was our own little cul-de-sac. Yeah. That's basically what it was. And uh, when we first moved in here, we davened in my house for a little while, and then we moved to Louis Davies' house, and we davened in his house, actually, right. for maybe a couple of years till we got this another little Another hero of a frat. Huh? Another hero of a frat. Yes, another big hero of a frat. Yeah. And uh, so that's my favorite thing, and it's it's one of the things that makes me feel great in life. Bichlal, yeah, is that as a builder, and maybe it's not modest for me to say this. So I'll Go try on, to say it, it in a non-modest way. But as a builder, usually doesn't want to live in the neighborhood that he built. Right. Uh, Look, I, I I can relate. Like I was in construction for over ten years. I was a project manager. I started sweeping the floors. And then I, eventually I was a project manager, and I even went on the other side of things, selling uh, selling supplies, selling materials. I've seen a lot of aspects of it. been involved in a lot right. of projects. So and you know I, how it is in that world, oh, you know? Absolutely. And it's not an easy world to be in. And I'm, I'm proud of the fact, and it, may, it gives me a lot of nachas, a lot of joy, yeah. that I'm friends, friendly sure. with with the overwhelming majority of the people that I built with. Right. We go to each other's machot. Well, one thing I've heard about you and seen a few of these things is that you bring in some concepts of insulated windows, very well-made insulated windows, and that's like a very big thing here. A lot of people have issues with uh, with mold and moisture in their house because of the lack of, of insulation in the house. And I've seen different rentals that I've been in. You know, if you don't have the right materials, you know, just something like you don't have to spend a lot of money on it, but it has to be a quality material. Material, the technology has to be made for the tap, for the area, for Absolutely. the you know, for the uh, for the climate. But and more than the materials, that was something that was yeah, that I've that, noticed about your building. So we do. Yeah. We we used modern methods and and modern materials, especially when it came to insulation and stuff like that. But it's there's there's a bigger aspect of it, and that is you got to put your love into your into your construction. You've you've got to want to have a good result. You you need to the, have a priority that your client, the person you're building for, yeah. is going to love their home. Is right. going to be happy with you as as a builder and as a friend, and Come happy on, there's, with there's their no house. There's no feeling in the world. I mean, there's plenty of good feelings in the world, but one of the best feelings is walking into a client's house, into their kitchen, and seeing them living in it after everything you've gone through. For sure. After the whole job, and you you could be on a job for for a period of small amount of months to a period of a few years. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible feeling walking into incredible. someone's house. And to be able to continue doing that it. over the years because now sure. you're living amongst right. th- those people and they're your friends. 
So, you know, I lived there and yeah. and we did that and then I did this behind us yeah. and I moved to there. Right. So the bottom well, line you, of that story yeah. is that I didn't want to see all these tall buildings across the street. <laughs> and and I ended up living. <laughs> That's great. It's ironic. You've lived in like a lot of the neighborhoods of Efrat. How we, many we were? How many we have? Seven neighborhoods of Efrat. Uh, yeah. And you've lived in how many of those? Uh, in five of them. Okay. When we first came to Efrat in '88, we rented for a couple of months in the Rimon until our house in the Geffen was ready. Right. Uh, in the Geffen, uh, we from the Geffen we moved to the Deco. Wow. Uh, and from the Deco, we moved to the Zayed. So actually, we lived in four. Yeah. But we did spend a lot of time in tents I would and argue sleeping bags. That, that Zayed and this Zayed are di- two different neighborhoods. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we could say that. And then we won't forget about all those nights that we slept in tents or in sleeping bags on Givata Dagan and right. Givata Tamar. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Beautiful. And the Eitam. Wow. Josh, I could sit here talking <laughs> with you forever, man. This has been great. So informative. So much more I want to hear about. We're running out of time, um, and hopefully we'll get you on again. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit of advice for people who want to move to this town. Maybe might want to buy something, a, a piece of land or, or a house. Some 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 light at the end of the tunnel. What do you what do you what do you have to tell people? Um, okay. Uh, first of all, come to a front. Come to a Friday. It's a great place. It's a great place. You're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. Uh, so just come to a Friday. But come to a Friday in a smart way. You don't need to buy right away. Don't feel pressured to buy. If you're coming from another part of Israel or if you're coming on Aliyah, you're coming from Chutzlaritz. Hold on. Hold on. What's, Josh, what's the best investment here from one ponytail to another? Uh, right. Come on. <laughs> no, because I'm going to yeah. say sometimes you yeah. want to maybe get a feel of different neighborhoods first and stuff right. before you make the decision sure. to buy something. And then look to buy in the place you feel comfortable. You know, you might be living in one neighborhood, but you're starting to get a feel of other neighborhoods and you're meeting people and right. all that. But um, but as far as uh, what is it you want to know? Tell um, me. You know, just just show the people that that there are good options here. There that there's there's an ability to come here, um, explain to them maybe um, the different types of options. I mean, you can you can move into when you first come, you can move into like one of these apartment buildings, a smaller place, and like you were saying, look 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 towards something else. Like see if this neighborhood is good for you. If it works well, move on to something else. Are there are there properties? Are there are there lots still up for sale in Efrat? If so someone wanted to build, unfortunately, the day of the uh, pri- you know private, private lots. lots to build on yeah. are pretty much over for Efrat. Right. Uh, the trend in Efrat now, uh, and it's the official line of the municipality, but it, it's common now to see it in other other municipalities as well, is to get as many building units into as little space as possible. So we're talking right. about tall buildings, mm-hmm. 9, 10, 12, 15-story buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, as far as I know, there are no reserves of land in any part of Efrat, uh, except maybe a few on the Tamar, which I don't think are going to end up going to market for private plots of land. There may be a couple of lots out there secondhand. They're extremely expensive. Right. Uh, but if someone can afford it, uh, sometimes it's cheaper to overpay on a piece of land 
and then build carefully and build slowly and not build a palace, but mm -hmm. build something modular that you can add on to. And you may end up spending less money than you would to build, buy some. See, um, that's, that's the kind of thing I yeah, wanted to that's, hear. That's, yeah, uh, that's something that mm -hmm. definitely someone should know, that, that uh, even if a piece of land is 1.5 million or 1.8 or 2 million shekels. You don't need to build a giant house right Exactly, away. and you could always add on. So, uh, And there are very few opportunities left in Efrat to get a private piece of land. And so it's just second-hand pieces. The one thing I'm getting from all this is, Come home and come home soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, come home. There's a lot of reasons why why they all got to come home. All right, and uh, <coughs> I mean we let's we we won't go into it. We're short yeah. on time, but Jews have to come home. And if Frat is a great place to come home to in Eretz Israel, and in the end you'll find something that's matim for you. And like Wonderful. I said, even if you don't find something to buy right away, you come rent. Be here, get to know the place, get to know the people, and you're never going to want to leave. And you'll find you'll find your thing, you'll find your place. Wonderful. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me here, man. It was a real pleasure uh, on this ponytail podcast. <laughs> um, so if you like, you're this doing podcast, real good with that ponytail. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Yours serious. is growing a lot faster than mine. Yeah, I, I well, like you know. I've I've been in it a few years. Um, I've been <laughs> told I've been told that I'm starting to look like one of those old guys that are having this ponytail out of desperation while they oh, still no, have some wait. hair. Sorry, you got a little <laughs> bit more time for that. I love it. I love it every moment of it. And look, there there aren't many ponytailed men out there in this, in this town. True. So the more of us, the better. Let your freak fr flag fly, right? <laughs> I, love ah. I love it. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on all the places that you would. And thanks so much for joining us, and uh, have a great day. Thanks Thank you so much, Hershey. It was great.